This next slide is from um, what they call the Canaanite Gate. And that would have been up in this area because on the fifth day, we, we left the Sea of Tiberias, Sea of Galilee, and we went north to where this tribe was, uh, the tribe of Dan. And this is the gate that they believe that Abraham would have traveled through um, to get up to rescue his nephew Lot, who had, you know, was living in Sodom and Gomorrah, and it was wealthy land, fertile land that he chose to take for his herds and cattle when they separated. But the people there were very immoral. And, and Lot just lived among them, but then at some point, because of their immorality and sin, God decided he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. You find that story in Genesis. And um, Abraham prayed and, and went in to deliver Lot and pull him out of there. And you remember, that's the story where Lot's wife turned and looked back because she didn't want to leave. And she was turned into a pillar of salt. The next... Then at, and, and up here you'll see how Israel, um, now since they possess this again since 1981, they have taken to restore this and preserve it and they've built this whole shelter. All of this is um, that tarp covering is stuff that Israel produce, produces. Uh, the Ministry of Antiquities is, is overseeing this whole project and and working with that, but that they believe was built in 1750 BC, so it's about 4,000 years old and uh, still there. Then we went from there to the Golan Heights, and uh, the Golan Heights is basically uh, an inactive volcanic plateau which sits about 3,000 feet above sea level, and it borders Mount Hermon on the north and the Yarmuk River on the south. And because it was volcanic, um, it's just rough, rocky uh, terrain um, that is used mostly for grazing. You can't really grow crops or anything like that there. Um, And it has significant winter rainfall, and it drains into the Sea of Galilee. The Dan River uh, is fed by Mount Hermon year-round, and it feeds the Jordan River. Um, and so walking around this, when we walked around the Golan Heights, um, this was our 18,000-step day. I didn't know till I went to Israel that my cell phone records how many steps I take a day. And uh, <laughs> we, we learned that. And actually, this was the day that we walked the most. But I had two other days that really hurt because they we walked a lot, but not as much as this day. But there was on pavement and cement and all that kind of stuff where this was... Uh, actually a pretty easy day uh, and, and went pretty well. But this this was a very hot day, but we were shaded most of the time by all the luscious green and stuff. And so it was, it was just a very pleasant day and a, a beautiful day. The next picture uh, shows, I, I just threw this in. This is a pistachio tree. And this is Pastor Bob Lawson and Barb Becker there. Um, and I don't... Oh, there's Jeff Ruggles. Um, I must have been back taking the picture. Um, but anyway, there's the pistachio tree. And they up in this Golan Heights area, it was just beautiful because they had pistachio, eucalyptus trees, Syrian ash, laurel, plane tree, buck, buckthorn, and willow trees. And they all just flourish and grow um, uh, there. The eucalyptus tree was Israel brought in from Africa. And they brought it in because the eucalyptus tree 
drinks lots and lots of water. And so they use the eucalyptus tree to put it in swamps to dry up swamps uh, that cause malaria. And so in, in places where they wanted to stop the spread of malaria, uh, they would plant eucalyptus trees. Um, now, why did we go to see um, Tel Dan? Well, this whole area of the Golan Heights is significant in the Bible because it is the place where Israel set up um, idol worship. It's, it's the place where Israel set up a temple um, in Israel when, when Israel became divided. You remember Israel started out under Saul and David and Solomon just as one nation Israel. And then when Solomon died, he had two sons try to take the throne and they divided. And um, when they divided, um, Israel took the north part of Israel and Judah took the south part of Israel and Judah had Jerusalem in it. Well, that's a big issue because all the Jews were supposed to go down to Jerusalem to worship. But the northern king did not want that to happen. And so in the next slide, um, you, you can kind of see how, how this happens. Um, Jeroboam is, is king of the north and he places his capital in Shechem, which is now in the West Bank. And um, he uh, and then the south, southern king Rehoboam was, of course, in Jerusalem. And Jeroboam set up, he carved golden calves. Now you'd think you would learn something from the event in Exodus. But the king of Israel set up golden calves, made them, put one up in Dan and one down in Bethel, about halfway between Dan and Jerusalem. And he said to the Israelites, Hear, O Israel, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. <laughs> Here they are, these gold calves, you worship them. And the Israelites said, oh, okay, all right. Why? It was easier than going down to Jerusalem, all that way from Dan, all the way down to Jerusalem. But the main reason for Jeroboam was he did not want his people going down into Judah to worship in Jerusalem lest they get the idea that they might just want to change allegiance and, be, and join Judah. He didn't want to lose his kingdom. So he was protecting his kingdom and the people were just being lazy. <laughs> the people were just wanting to do religion when it, whenever it was convenient. And I'll get back to that uh, later on. And so he appealed to convenience and laziness to lead them into idolatry. And so that's what happens up there in the territory of Dan. Now today, the next slide shows us just the remains of what was left of that temple area that um, King Jeroboam set up. Um, that would have been the place where the altar was. And then there were uh, big, big um areas where they kept the cattle at and, and prepared them for slaughter and all of that, and seating areas and, and all of that. Um, then the next thing we saw in Israel was actually Mount Hermon, uh, the region of Mount Hermon. This is a panoram panoramic view that I pulled off the internet uh, better than what anything I had. But you see Mount Hermon is snow-capped and is most of the year um, up there. Um, and Mount Hermon um, is in Syria today. It's not part of Israel. It's actually in Syria. 
and um, it sits about 9,000 feet above sea level. And Psalm 133 speaks about Mount Hermon. It, it gives the image of how pleasant it is and how fruitful it is on this mountain. It speaks about the bounty of water. Um, and, and Mount Hermon gets about 60 inches of rain a year. Uh, so they get lots of rain and it, it supplies the Sea of Galilee and, and numbers of rivers that come down off of it. So why is Mount Hermon important? We believe that Mount Hermon is the place where Jesus was transfigured. Caesarea Philippi is right at the base of Mount Hermon. And, and so it says Jesus was there, and then you go in the scriptures, and the next thing they go to is they climb a mountain, and, they, and it is there that Jesus is transfigured. And so we, we believe that Mount Hermon is this, this wonderful place where Jesus was transfigured by the disciples um, because it sits right above Caesarea Philippi. And um, at Caesarea Philippi, it's interesting because that is the place where all the Greeks, that was the center of Greek worship. And you have there the, um, the god of Pan. Um, and it would have been called Panaeus in the time of Jesus. And it was named after the, the Greek god Pan. And Pan, you know, just stop and think about how dumb idolatry is sometimes. The god of Pan was half man, or half god, and half man and half goat. Half man and half goat. Is that something you want to sign up to worship? <laughs> but don't we do stupid things like that? I mean, it's just like the Israelites deciding that they're going to worship two golden calves after the whole incident back with Moses and Aaron. And here they are, worshiping golden calves, um, the Israelites. But here the world, the Greek culture of the day, was worshiping a god named Pan, who was half goat and half man. But anyway, here's uh, th this scene is the sanctuary of Pan. And I'm going to walk through this. We saw the remnants of this. Uh, that'll be in our next slide. But this here was... Um, actually a, a beautiful um, white marble temple that was built in 19 B.C. So that would have been all very new in the day of Jesus. Um, it was the temple of Augustus. Um, and then the cave of Pan was right behind it. Uh, it's a big, huge cave. And they believed, the Greeks believed that that was where this god uh, lived and dwelt. And then to the right of it is the court of Pan where all the legal justice issues of the day were held. And this is the um, temple of Zeus. Um, so you have all of this right in this whole area on the side of the mountain um, at Caesarea Philippi. And then um, you have the court of Nemesis right in here. And, um, and then this is the tomb of the goats, <laughs> temple tomb of the goats, um, sacred goats, I might add. And then you have the, uh, the Greeks and the Romans both believe that this was the place for um, the dwelling place of the gods, and especially Pan. Now, why is this important? 
because it is at Caesarea Philippi that Jesus drags his disciples to. And when he gets there, he says to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Next screen, Priscilla, please. This is, um, this is what we saw today, and, and we actually got up in there and saw a lot more detail, but that's the grotto uh, that exists today. But the next screen has the, the passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter uh, 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now he says that in this Greek religious culture, which, which basically believed in many gods and many ways to heaven. And quite frankly, we live in a very... Uh, a culture that is very much like that. Oh, there's many ways to God, many ways to heaven. You know, you can just choose any number of them. Whatever works for you. That's what our world wants to say to us. And Jesus gets them and he takes them to this location where the Greeks worship and they have all of their gods. And he asks his disciples, what do people say? Who do people say that I am? And they said to him, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Notice that they did not, his own disciples did not make any statement about him being on equal level with any of the other gods. They had matured. <laughs> they had grown. They, they were already past that point. They knew that there was something uniquely different about Jesus than all of these Greek gods. They didn't mention any of anything about Pan or him being equal to a Pan or Pan being one of the other ways. And Jesus said to his disciples, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. When Peter said that, Jesus said that he had the right answer. You are the Christ. The, not just one, not just um, a God, but you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the one way to heaven. And on that confession, Jesus said he would build his church. Friends, I want to remind you today that the way God builds his church is on the confession that Jesus stands alone as the way to heaven. There is no other God that will ever get you to heaven. There is no other name by which you can be saved. You need to be different than everyone else in the world in regard to your belief. Because Jesus is the Christ, he is the Messiah, and his name alone will save you for eternity and for eternal life. From there, they went from this area where they were looking at this scene of all this, you know, this marvelous temple filled with marble and all of that of the gods of the Greeks. 
And they left there and they went up the mount where Jesus was transfigured before them and exalted. And Peter and James and John were along with him and Peter got up there and he just said, he wanted to build a tent. He wanted to stay there. Just enjoy it. And that's when Jesus wanted to go back down the hill to the people and minister uh, to them. This morning I want to tie all of this together because it, it all occurs in this one place. This place of Dan. And I want you to stop and think about the, the common ingredient there. It's up there in the north region of Israel, so close to Lebanon and Syria today, but so close to Assyria and the Babylonians and all of that back in that day. And all the other cultures and the big dangerous thing for Israel was idolatry. And Dan struggled with idolatry. And, and the history in the Old Testament is the Israelites struggled all the time there. And so first of all, you see Lot, who moves there and compromises his faith. Right there in the midst of it. And so Lot compromises his faith. And he has to have righteous Abraham come and rescue him from it. And then later on in that same area, in that same place, Jeroboam appeals to their convenience and to their laziness. And he leads the Israelites into idolatry by saying, here, don't go down to Jerusalem and worship. Do what is easy and come and worship this golden calf that I have made. And I've even made two of them. So you can go to Dan or you can go to Bethel. And you can, do, you can worship God in some easy and convenient way. And you see that Israel was led into captivity. And which of the two went into captivity first, Israel or Judah? Israel, by about a hundred years. Because right away at the very beginning, they were prone to, cap, uh, pr- prone, prone to idolatry. And they just weakened their stance uh, in their day to the things of God. And then in the day of Jesus, you come along and you have the Greeks and the Romans, both who think this, this um, Peneus area is just the center of religion and all of that, and they are so excited about it, and they are worshiping all these many gods, and Jesus asks them in a pluralistic society, just like he asks us, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? We have a choice to make. We live in a world that we deal with the danger of idolatry. We don't identify it quite as quickly, as easily as you would identify if we were coming to church and I set up a golden calf up here and I said, worship it. But the fact is we live in a culture where you and I are challenged every day of our life, whether we recognize it or not, to soften to weaken, to grow cold in our faith and our heart towards God. And we're always prone to get to the place where we are serving other things more than we're serving God. 
And sometimes it is just through laziness or convenience. And we just, we just do religion as long as it's convenient and easy and all of that. And we don't stir any feathers. The, the message I have for you today, not an exciting one, but it is a warning that you and I always need to guard our faith. We live in the world, but the world cannot live in us. We have to be different. We have to be the men and the women of God who take a strong stand and are courageous and bold in our faith and what we believe and the way that we live. We have to do that.